This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. On Thursday, California lawmakers scrambled to extend eviction protections that were originally set to expire that day. The emergency bill stretched the state's rent relief effort by three months for tenants who have experienced financial hardship during the pandemic. It was an 11th hour move, something that we've seen multiple times throughout the past two years, temporary extensions and new deadlines, rinse and repeat. There's no real long-term solution in sight for either California tenants or landlords. As of early last month, nearly 130,000 Bay Area households collectively owe $995 million in rent. Reality is sinking in on both the state and local level. Eventually, something has to be done, not just last-minute deals brokered before deadlines. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Lauren Hepler joins me to talk about the latest emergency bill to help tenants and landlords, why no one's really happy, and what it means for the state's housing crisis. Lauren, great to have you here. Remind us about how the state's multi-billion dollar rent relief program worked. What did it do and how effective was it? So this all goes back to last spring when we were in kind of this crazy period where there had been a bunch of local bans on evictions for a long time. There was a state ban and then a federal ban and everything was just very uncertain about how is the housing market going to recover from the shock of the pandemic. So rent relief emerged from Congress and this was a big unprecedented kind of expansion of the safety net to try to keep people housed and make landlords whole so that they weren't then losing their properties too. In California, that translated to a big statewide program and lots of local patchwork programs, and that shifted a lot over time, which caused confusion. But the basic idea was to cover this rent debt for people who are making less than the median income in their area. There were things that prioritized people who were immediately facing an eviction notice, prioritizing non-white tenants who we know are statistically at a higher risk of eviction. Everyone agrees that it was a very important thing to do to prevent like a, a massive wave of evictions, but how exactly it rolled out over time is a long story. And now this deadline has passed and California lawmakers tried to do something about it. On Thursday, they approved an emergency bill to extend some of the eviction protections, but not all of them. Tell me how that works. Yeah, so this was yet another 11th hour political deal in Sacramento. We've seen this at least five other times now. We were trying to count that up. Um, but basically just over the, the last year or so with the pandemic and all these local eviction bans, basically every time it's come down to like, okay, we've got a, a deadline coming up. Like, what are we going to do? There's this tense back and forth between the landlord groups, the state groups, and then you've got the politicians from different parts of the state who all want different things. And what happened this time, the major deadline was that, okay, we've got this March 31st deadline for rent relief. Like after that, people can't apply anymore to have their debt covered. But what do we do about the hundreds of thousands of people that are still waiting for answers? So the catalyst behind this latest extension was to protect at least those people who have applied 
through March 31st from eviction. Um, and that covers if they haven't paid rent like before March. It doesn't do anything if you don't pay rent on April 1st uh, th- for this month. But this is mm-hmm. still dealing with that that back rent that, that a lot of people are trying to get a handle on. But what that meant locally in the Bay Area also is that we had a lot of cities that in recent weeks have been jockeying to sort of come up with their own stronger local eviction bans. Like San Francisco is one that had said, oh, we're going to do a forward looking thing to cover that rent after April 1st, 2022. And that is now nullified by the state deal. They said, no, you can't do any more strict local rules. Um, and a lot of that stems from controversy that's happened in Alameda County, um, which has one of the strongest local eviction bans in the state. It's been standing since 2020 and has kind of been grandfathered in over time. So the big picture here is that it, it's really confusing. It depends where you are, what your rights are, like tenants in places like Oakland and Berkeley still do have more coverage than tenants statewide. And that's something that's been really controversial on on both sides for tenants and landlords. Eviction ban extensions have happened multiple times during the pandemic. How have people responded to this latest emergency bill? What's been striking this time is that, again, the thing that was definitely different uh, this go around was the fact that the applications are closing for the money. Like that that's a big deal. In the past, we've just been talking about the eviction deadline. So the tenant activists I've been talking with have been really trying to mobilize. Um, and I went out door knocking with an organizer um, named Crystal Little from a group called Urban Habitat in Vallejo earlier this week. And she was advising people that we're talking like Tuesday night as the sun was setting. So like 48 hours Mm -hmm. before all this was set to expire. And she was telling people like, look, we're hoping there's going to be a last minute deal to provide some cover. But right now, just get your ducks in a row, like make sure you've got proof of your application to the state. And then on the landlord side, this is one that I I focused mostly on talking to small property owners, like people who either rent out extra rooms in their house or have smaller buildings. What they're concerned about is sort of really long-standing tenant issues. Like I've talked to uh, landlords who uh, in a couple cases who have court fights ongoing with tenants who they say weren't paying rent even before the pandemic or who maybe haven't provided Mm. like consistent proof that the pandemic is what's preventing them from paying. So basically the landlord groups have taken that and run with it and said, look, these programs are kind of ripe for abuse. And how can we be Mm. sure that the aid is going to who needs it? So that's what's creating friction there. But the folks on the tenant side are saying, like, look, the, the stakes are higher if you're a tenant and you're looking at becoming homeless. But those are some mm-hmm. of the dynamics that have, have sort of colored this fight over time. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing, it all sounds very confusing, messy patchwork. There have also been bureaucratic challenges to understanding how to get aid. I mean, having aid to offer is one thing, but the application process hasn't always been that accessible either. Is that right? Yeah, and the application process has changed over time. What happened in California is that it started out with San Francisco had its own program, San Jose had its own program, Oakland had its own program. And over time, a lot of them rolled up into this bigger state program. And a lot of the folks I'm talking to who are still in limbo being like, I don't know where my application stands. You know, I hope the right person has it. Was it the state or the local people who I should have been talking to? So you're right. It is messy and it is complicated. But at the end of the day, it's something that people are still saying, like, we need to see this through and get as many people 
as possible, kind of made whole financially after all of this. Do we know how many people haven't been able to access rent relief just because of how confusing this process has been? Yeah, this idea of trying to figure out how many people might have slipped through the cracks is definitely hard to get at. Um, But we have some kind of indications of that, like census surveys that have been going out every few weeks are kind of one key indicator. And as of March 23rd, we know that about 977,000 California renters were, quote, not at all confident in their ability to pay rent on April 1st. And of Mm -hmm. those people, more than 500,000 had not even applied for any sort of rent relief. We're talking about thousands, tens of thousands of people that potentially aren't going to get this aid. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So I want to talk a little bit about how local counties have tried to supplement state efforts. The last time we chatted, we honed in on Contra Costa. Um, That's an example of a county that's been debating new programs of their own. Are they able to help? Are they able to really make a dent in some of this confusing process that's been sort of laid out by the state? So when it comes to eviction protection, specifically Alameda County, and that includes cities that we all know well, like Oakland and Berkeley, that kind of have these reputations for strong tenant protections, they do still have a stronger local ban on evictions that says you can't be evicted for not paying your rent until the state of emergency tied to COVID-19 is over, which around the Bay Area, that's still going on. Other places like San Francisco had tried to do that. And this new state deal says that's a no-go. You can't kind of do that this late in the game. So that's Mm -hmm. sort of more a matter of timing than anything. So because of that, there's definitely some frustration among tenant groups and politicians from these places. Like we saw Scott Wiener from San Francisco actually voted against this latest eviction deal. He was the only one who did because of that. So what we're seeing instead is this shift to tenant groups advocating for longer term, like permanent tenant protections. For a long time, we've been focusing on sort of emergency orders related to the pandemic. And now I think we're going to see a lot more conversation about permanent eviction changes. So that can be things like there's an anti-tenant harassment measure that's winding through the city council in Concord. In Antioch, there's been a lot of talk about whether there should be stronger eviction rules similar to places like Oakland and San Francisco. So I expect that in the coming months, we will hear a lot more conversation about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you're mentioning, we're realizing now, you know, that emergency orders aren't going to cover this. So people are starting to have conversations about permanent solutions potentially. Is an emergency order going to be what we revert to kind of time and time again? This is what we have until something's sorted out? 
I mean, a lot of that depends on whether we decide that evictions are something we're going to handle at the state level or at the local level. As it's stood the last several years, it kind of ping pongs back and forth between the two. Like for a long time, the state has had some form of eviction protections during the pandemic. But again, there's these stronger local rules in the really expensive cities. But the question is whether we'll see those spread to more suburban or even rural areas over time or if there will be enough resistance. Like in a lot of outlying areas, there are complicating factors, like how how landlords are impacted, particularly on the small end of things. So um, it'll be mm-hmm. an ongoing conversation for sure. What do small landlords want? What do they want to see in terms of relief or support from the state or even locally? The thing I hear over and over again is just that there's an unreasonable amount of regulation in the cities with stronger tenant ordinances like Oakland and like Berkeley. Housing is such a sought after commodity. And because of how strong tenant protections are in some places, that can become a major drawn out legal battle where, you know, you're talking about like, are you going to buy the tenant out for an amount of money? Are you going to go to court and spend money on lawyers and all of that? But I think that does often overshadow the reality I see in a lot of kind of suburban outlying areas where I've mm-hmm. I've spoken with mothers who are literally like, you know, maybe you're an immigrant to this country and you're getting very insistent text messages from your landlord that are like, pay your rent or get out. And she's like, okay, do I take my daughter and go sleep in my car? So there's just this huge inequality of housing in the Bay Area. And, and that's really what's at the heart of this. Um, and that results in messy personal conflicts, but but that's really what needs to be addressed and hasn't been so far. There are so many challenges with housing security, confusing and differing relief efforts on the state and local levels, intensifying personal conflicts, as you just described. What are housing experts saying about how this will play out when it comes to the state's housing crisis? Yeah, so the big question is how many court filings we're going to be seeing in the coming months. Like people have talked about an eviction tsunami, an eviction cliff over time. So far, we're still below historic levels. And obviously, folks who work with tenants and are concerned about the homelessness crisis in the region say we need to keep supporting people so that that doesn't fall off a ledge in the coming months as Mm -hmm. these protections continue Mm -hmm. to expire. But now we're kind Mm -hmm. of coming down to the wire and we're going to see what the fallout is in the coming months. Lauren, thank you so much for your reporting and thanks for explaining all of this to us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cecilia. Lauren Hepler covers housing for The Chronicle. Her story about the extension of the state's eviction protections is online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode and to you for listening.